Our next speaker is Loki. Uh, Loki is a British Iraqi hip hop artist, academic, political campaigner, and Mint Press video and podcast host. Uh, as a musician, Loki has collaborated with the Arctic Monkeys, Dresh 32, Immortal Technique, and Akala. He's pa- a patron of the Stop the War Coalition, the Palestine Solidarity Campaign, the Racial Justice Network, and the Peace and Justice Project founded by Jeremy Corbyn. So, Loki, please go ahead. Thank you very much for the kind introduction, and it was wonderful to hear what Ali had to say. Um to start with, I think it's important to understand that the United States policies are now coming under greater scrutiny in the region. And people are able to look at, for example, the adventure in Afghanistan of NATO and the US, which produced 5.3 million refugees. That was a quarter of the Afghan population. It left 72% of Afghans in poverty and rendered statistically Afghans the saddest people in the world. Now, following their exit um, from Afghanistan in an act of imperial spite, the US government decided to freeze $9.5 billion worth of assets in the Afghan central bank. And it is predicted that off the back of that, the poverty rate in that country will reach 97%. It's also estimated that 95% of the population simply don't have enough to eat. And many have said that the economic war that the United States is waging on Afghanistan is likely to kill more than the military war actually did that preceded it. We know that before the US invasion of Afghanistan, Opium production in the country was almost zero. Well, after the occupation, it led to a situation where 90% of the world's heroin originated in Afghanistan. And Helmand was the center of that production, which housed 10,000 British army uh, soldiers on 140 bases there at the height of the occupation. What else? did the U.S. bring to Afghanistan? Well, of course, we know that the organization DynCorp, which uh, <clears throat> was owned by Veritas, um, which featured on it the Secretary of State under Bush, Richard Armitage, this company was revealed by WikiLeaks to have actually hired children um, as sex slaves in Afghanistan. This is something Afghans were aware of, but many in the English-speaking uh, uh, media were not, did not make a big deal out of this. This was seen as perfectly fine, it seems. Armor Group, another organization that the U.S. Um, employed to guard the U.S. Embassy in Afghanistan, its employees were found to be violating the Trafficking Victims Protection Act by having its employees visiting brothels in Afghanistan. This is what the United States has carried a reputation for in that country, though it seems to be unbeknownst to many people in the US. Well, what has China brought in uh, comparison to the United States to Afghanistan? Well, what we have seen is at the same time as the US is pursuing economic war against Afghanistan, you have actually had massive investment by China began over three years. Um, Afghanistan is due to uh, get over 500 million pounds worth of investment um, from China in the oil sector, 500 million dollars, sorry. But then also the lith- lithium uh, question has come up with China offering to invest 
$10 billion into Afghanistan at the very time when the U.S. is taking uh, around $10 billion from Afghanistan. And what about Iraq? Well, what did the U.S. bring to it? Well, it's the, the invasion of Iraq was something that 36 million people across 3000 demonstrations globally actually protested against a deeply, deeply unpopular thing to do. And in the very first month of the U.S. occupation of Iraq, over 29000 bombs were used by the U.S. on Iraqis. It was an occupation that displaced one in 25 Iraqis and killed over a million people. And how has the United States now marked culturally its escapade in the cradle of civilization? Well, now you have computer games in the US like Six Days in Fallujah, which essentially places the game player in the position of the soldier within Fallujah at the time when the US was bombing it with white phosphorus and depleted uranium. The US have even gone as far as naming a warship after the campaign in Fallujah. And Noam Chomsky has actually made the point that the toxic legacy and cancer rates in Fallujah are worse than Hiroshima. You've seen a 17-fold increase in leukemia in Fallujah and a um, 38-fold increase in other cancers. And since that period of time when the U.S. occupied Afghanistan and Iraq, it spent $32 million per hour on war. We are talking about a campaign that lasted two decades and entailed the US dropping on average 46 bombs per day for 20 years and displacing around 37 million people. Well, if we contrast what the US brought to Iraq with what China is bringing to Iraq, well, throughout the US occupation of um, Iraq, you saw only 17 new school construction projects started. We don't have any information whether the U.S. finished those constructions of schools, but we know the U.S. supposedly started the construction of 17 new schools in Iraq. Well, China has just signed contracts with Iraq to build a 1,000 schools in the short term and actually 8,000 schools in the long term across the next decade or so in Iraq will be built by China. If you are in the Iraqi position, surely you would look at that. You'd understand, for instance, Halliburton given one of the largest no-bid contracts in um, the history of the United States um, just before the invasion. And then you see the type of contracts that have been arranged between the Iraqis and China when it comes to oil, and they clearly see a fairer deal being given to them by the Chinese. And what about Iran. Well, we've seen the United States pursue relentless economic warfare against Iran, leading to a situation where just before the sanctions started, the Iranian economy grew by 12.5% in one year. The year the sanctions were put in place um, or intensified significantly under Trump, it shrunk the Iranian economy by 6% in six months alone. You, in fact, saw Iran's ability to export oil, you saw its oil exports decrease by 80%. And of course, that is a massive factor in Iran's national income. You saw, for instance, Italy and Greece, because of these US sanctions, halting their imports of Iranian oil, 
You saw um, Indian imports of Iranian oil fall also. And at that time, Chinese imports of Iranian oil fall. But what has taken place with the turn um, around 2021 and then 2022 with the war in Ukraine? You've seen an increase, a massive increase in the um, the oil deals between Iran and China, particularly. And as a result of these sanctions in literally the first 12 months of the intensification under Trump, you saw the cost of uh, red meat and poultry increased by 57 percent. You saw milk, cheese and eggs increased by 40 percent and the cost of vegetables in Iran increased by 47 percent. Unemployment rose by um, 15 percent in the first year alone. And what we also know is that Iran has one of the fastest growth rates of cancer in the world. There are around 112,000 new cases of cancer every year in Iran. And the International Journal of Health Policy and Management made the point that the sanctions um, were directly affecting Iran's ability to treat people with cancers. This is what the United States has done to this country attempt to bring it to its knees through economic warfare. Now, how is China differing to that? So, of course, as part of the comprehensive strategic partnership between China and Iran, signed began in 2021, but has got better over time. They've agreed to invest around $400 billion into Iran over 25 years. And what has that led to? It has led to China assisting Iran in undoing some of the work the United States has done to isolate it in the region. So it has brought together Iran and Saudi Arabia, which has ended the immense human suffering in Yemen, which actually was the greatest humanitarian crisis um, of our time, for sure, with um, tens of thousands of children starving to death, thanks to the Saudi blockades. But let's be clear, the US and Britain were constantly benefiting from this war, whether it was through weapon sales, whether it was through directly helping with targeting. Um, in many ways, it was a US and British proxy war against Iran being fought in Yemen. And so China has, in one fell swoop, been able to mend those fences and ameliorate huge amount of human suffering that was the case in Yemen. So clearly this would upset the United States, which gained uh, huge, huge um, profits through the uh, arms contracts with Saudi Arabia and also the promotion of the Iranian bo bogeyman to um, people in the Gulf. It allowed the US to spread its military bases further and further and also, um, as I mentioned, sell weapons. But then what did that bringing of Iran out of the cold lead to vis-a-vis -vis the Palestinian resistance? Well, what you saw was Saudi Arabia um, welcoming Hamas to the country. Let's be clear, the only state in the world which supports the Palestinian right to armed resistance materially is Iran. So therefore, when Iran is put into a less isolated position, it leads to the Palestinian resistance factions being in a less isolated position than ever. And so Saudi Arabia has now even made overtures towards Hezbollah, who through its proxies in Lebanon, Saudi Arabia has been essentially at a state of war with for decades 
in Lebanon. So these are all interesting uh, developments. So Chinese policy in West Asia is directly having an effect on the equation within Palestine and the ability of Palestinians to defend themselves from Israel's violence. And what we look at with the U.S. relationship with Israel, as Ali has clearly put out, um, it's not a question of Israel uh, merely being backed by the United States. Uh, the U.S. and Israel are deeply, deeply intertwined, and the U.S. will do everything it can to protect its settler colony. Now, the U.S. relationship it entails $10.4 million a day, $430,000 an hour, $7,229 a minute, and $120 a second of U.S. taxpayers' money being bestowed upon racist Israeli apartheid in Palestine. But an interesting factor and, and, and contradiction which is developing more and more in the U.S.-Israel relationship is, of course, Israel has a long and strong history of uh, spying on the U.S. government. You've seen the cases of uh, Stephen Pollard, um, uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Pollard actually ending up in in uh, in prison um, in the U.S. for spying on them and stealing uh, nuclear secrets. You've of course seen examples where Israel has been found to be hacking the White House uh, phone line. It's believed that Israel obtained uh, foreknowledge of the Bill Clinton Monica Lewinsky scandal. And later, it has been reported Israel attempted to use it to blackmail uh, Clinton to obtain the release of Pollard. So there I, is I hate to say this, uh, Loki, but could you wrap up? It's very no interesting, but yeah. No problem at all. So essentially, we are now at the point where in the recent protest movement that developed in the uh, the political entity of Israel, what you saw is one of the key groups that was acted in this that was active in this, the movement for quality government in Israel, was actually funded directly by the U.S. State Department. And so then this led to even the fascist Ben Gavir in the Israeli government saying the U.S. needs to understand that Israel is an independent country, and no longer a star on the U.S. flag. So these contradictions are sharpening even with um, well-established uh, allies in the region. And this will lead to ultimately uh, a more just and equal world. I'm Michael Hudson. I'm appearing here for the International Manifesto Group. If you like this video and want to like it, please subscribe. For more information, go to the address on the screen.